Influencers Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries here in Bentonville, Arkansas. And I'm uh, back with uh, our founder, Rocky Fleming. Welcome, Rocky. Thank you, Brian. And uh, okay, I'm going to promise that this is the end of the uh, 20-year anniversary (laughs) podcast series. This is uh, part four. Uh, And uh, but we just I knew it would be it would take us longer than 30 minutes to talk about our history and some of the things that have been happening. So uh, it's been really fun, though, to to recount the history and some of the lessons learned. And and uh, Rocky, today, uh, I guess the thought was. So what's next up in the next 20 years? I, and and it's it, it's probably not coincidental that you're about 20 years older than me. So I, I was about your you were about my age whenever this whole thing started, or right. at least when influencers started. Um, and uh, so it. Oh, you know, just as a person myself, I, I think about what's ahead for me. What what does God have for me the next 20 years? And mm-hmm. I hope it's uh Hope it's as fulfilling, exciting as your last twenty has been, Rocky. Um, so we've been chatting about what what do we think is ahead for the ministry, and uh, so I'll just start with that question. There's some some follow up questions, but Rocky, where how do you feel about the future right now, Rocky? As you sit here looking back at twenty, but now looking ahead to the next twenty, Brian. The the thing that I have a strong conviction of, and that is we're we're prepared. Uh, for the future by the Lord, but we've got to learn to walk with him to be able to know how to navigate it. And it's a, it's a daily walk. And that's why you've heard me all the time talking about DNA, because it's about intimacy with Christ, it's about abiding with him. And it's there we get the wisdom to know how to carry out uh, his call on our lives the next day and the next day, the next day, next month, next year, next decade, and uh, so on. So uh, I would say this, that the only thing I can do is look at it as a 75-year-old man with a lot of history myself. In 20 years uh, in this uh, effort to make disciples by taking them to close proximity with Christ, we've seen the, we've seen the life changes. We, we just see that. We, we know that when somebody Christ gets a hold of somebody's heart like we're seeing it happen, that their lives become dynamic. And when I say dynamic, I mean they are impacting their world around them. And I believe that this is a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and I think the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is what causes that. Now, we have 20 years of experience with this, so we have a foundation that, that has been laid out before us to understand these truths. As we go forward into the next period of our existence, is to build on those truths. However, there's one thing that I'm getting increasingly aware of, and that is that there was a foundation that was built the past years, but on top of that foundation is going to be a more aggressive ministry in carrying out the things that we're called to do. Now, we, we are noted for... Uh, starting small, going deep, and praying big. And we have seen that work. But getting big 
is happening and it's expanding outward. And, and I think it's very important for us as we do expand outward to keep our heart, to keep our soul, to understand who we are, how we're made, how we're formed, and why we were formed. And the why factor is always very important. But that's one part of our mission as in making disciples. But the other part of that is the world we live in. And that is how do we carry it out? Um, we are being challenged in so many ways right now. And I'm not just talking about this ministry. This ministry's challenged all the time. It's been challenged 20 years, and it never has been anything that, that God didn't overcome. He did all the time. But when I say we, I'm talking about the family, the, the body of Christ, the church is being challenged, and it's being increasingly challenged every day. We're already seeing that there's efforts to keep churches from gathering. And we know when we have uh, our communities that are broken up and isolation occurs, then oftentimes spiritual health is uh, challenged. Um, you and I have learned to self-feed on God's Word. I believe that we could be put on an island with the Bible, and I believe that we could find a significant existence there. And I think that if there were people on that island, that we would see those people as people that we would want to lead to an intimate relationship with Christ. And as we share what's going on in our life, we can do that. But most Christians don't have that. Most Christians are anemic. Most Christians are, they go to church because it's a cultural thing. Uh, but at the same time, when they fall away from the church, they rarely go back. Many people are not going back. And, uh, and I think that, that there's a lot of danger out there with false prophets that are coming along, false teachers, apostasy. Uh, people are always looking for something new. And, uh, and I'm, I'm deeply concerned about the disunity in God's family. And I feel personally that this ministry, we have a clear call to the body of Christ. You know, 20 years ago, we had some friends, Don and Dean, Dean over at Day Springs, that had uh, shared something with me when they began to see the influencers roll out. This was a few late years later, and they had a great exposure to it. To it. And and they got me aside and they say, Rocky, we believe that influencers is a ministry that's been raised up by God for his kingdom. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, I, we just believe that your focus should be on the building up of God's kingdom. Uh, some ministries are evangelistic. Some ministries are, are formed a certain way, a certain target. God calls them that way. But our call has been to build up the church. Our call is to help disciple the church, to help the, the church to know who Jesus really is and not just know about him, but to know him, to feel him, to feel his heart. And this is what occurs in an abiding relationship with him. We feel him. We feel his love and we feel his grief. And Brian, you've, you've heard me share with tears 
what I feel about the grief that I feel that the Lord has given me about the way the body of Christ, the church in this country, are divided. We're divided around denominational lines. We've had that for years. And one denomination will look at another denomination and say how bad they are and how good we are. Protestants have been uh, attacking Catholics for years, and Catholics have been doing it to Protestants. Methodists to the Baptists and Presbyterian to the Church of Christ. I mean, they're always going after each other. Now, now it, there's such disunity with, with, with racial differences. And I, I'll be honest with you, I see some of the, the minorities, churches, and the people that are worshiping, and I love it. I love seeing their, their worship. I love feeling it. And I know that our hearts are so close to each other, and yet there's divisions. And it grieves. I think, I think it grieves the Lord in me to see this and to feel this. And, and for that reason, I feel that the next leg of our journey, uh, as far as I'm concerned, and I do believe that we're being called into it as far as a ministry, and that's to create unity in the body of Christ, to bring us together so that we can stand against the present evil that is coming at all of us. That's what I think the future is for us. Mm. Well, and, and we, I know that we, we really follow the Holy Spirit and we go where we're invited and he's inviting us to a lot of new places, but, but thinking about what we can do to be more intentional, kind of in some of the things you're talking about, could it be that we, when we're forming a journey group, for example, we, we try to pray and say, Lord, who do you want me to invite and, and, and be willing to go outside of our church, go or go outside of our race or go outside of our comfort zone. And, and maybe God's putting people in our path and we need to pay better attention. Maybe that's one way. Can you think of other tangible ways that we can focus on unity? And I mean, the, the, the DNA is clear. We're, we're about a vertical ascent to Jesus, right? It's, it's, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, Brian, I have a friend, a black friend who I love dearly. I've had, it, I've had him in my life for years, younger than me, about the age of my, my son. Uh, and he told me that there are not a lot of people like me. And because of my perspective, and I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you just see things differently. And I'm not so sure he was complimenting me or maybe he was telling me that I'm not sensitive enough to the issues that are going on. But the first thing that I have to tell you is that several years ago, a black pastor down in uh, Little Rock, a dear, dear, dear man, man uh, Bishop Robert Smith, uh, sat down with me and talked to me and help me understand a term. And the term he gave me was erroneous distinctions in the body of Christ. 
And I, I asked him, I said, well, what do you say in here uh, about erroneous distinction? I said, do, do I make erroneous distinctions? He says, well, let me ask you this. How would you describe me? I'd say, well, you're, you're my black pastor friend down in Little Rock. He said, well, I'm glad to be your friend. That's distinguished. But why describe me as a black man? <laughs> Isn't that erroneous distinction? Mm. And he, he had me. He got me. And then he comforted me. He said, I understand, Rocky. That's just the way people are, are brought up. Uh, it's interesting. <laughs> Something funny, because I shared this with my daughter. When she was in college, and it so impacted her. And, um, and so she uh, was trying to put it into practice. And she had a black professor, and, uh, and he was, she was in his class. And then she... She was getting ready to walk out the door, and he, and he looked at her and said, Joanna, would you call that uh, black girl that just left here and went down the hall and ask her to come back? And uh, Joanna said, well, Professor so-and-so, um, you're making an erroneous distinction here by saying that she's a black girl. And he <laughs> says, well, where did you get that? He said, well, my, my dad told me that. He said, will you tell him way to go? But how else am I going to describe that girl going down the hallway? <laughs> but let's now let's be sober on this. Let's just be honest with what I'm saying here, because I had to undo a lot of erroneous distinctions in the way I looked at people. And I think it's because of that, my friend, the young black man would say, not a lot of people like you. You don't see people for their race. You don't see them for those distinctions. You see them as we want to be seen. I said, well, honestly, I think that's what Christ is wanting us to do. We have our individual distinctions, and they're beautiful. I mean, our, our cultures are beautiful. The tone of our skin is beautiful. We're, we're created beautifully by God, and we all probably look different. We all are different. But the fact is, there's beauty in it all. And I feel like that until we began to look at the beauty within the body of Christ and the distinctions that we have and celebrate them, and come together in unity. And, and the, the thing that unifies us is that which is in common with all of us, and that's Jesus Christ. And until we do that, we're going to have walls. We're going to have erroneous distinctions. We're going to have disunity. But when we will begin to break down walls and we begin to look at each other as brothers and sisters, members of the royal priesthood, sons and daughters of God. When we begin to get our identities through that grid and look at each other differently, then we become unified. Mm. Then we become powerful. Then we're able to face the evil that's coming at us now. Well, and Rocky, I would say that these are not just theories. This is, we've seen this. We've seen journey groups that had, were mixed with different races. We've seen journey groups mixed of different denominations. Uh, we've seen journey groups of of people from dem different demographics, wealthy 
people with people that came from the other side of the tracks. And we've witnessed the unity and the, and the love of Jesus that bonds everybody together. And it doesn't matter. All that other stuff doesn't matter. All of a sudden they become brothers or sisters in Christ, depending on the group. But um, I think we, we've seen this lived out right yeah. in front of us. Yeah. And I think that I think that's a message that we've got to declare. I think that it's abiding in Christ. And I think the fruit of abiding is unity. Yeah. And I think that I think if we have disunity, I don't see how we're abiding. Do you? No, no, that's uh, that's one of Satan's tactics to try to keep us from that. Keep us from abiding with him and also keep us from abiding with each other. (laughs) And yeah, divide and divert. I mean, it's always been that way. Abide, not divide, right? Abide, not divide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a new T-shirt. A new t-shirt. <laughs> I like the old T-shirt we had. Is abide, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I just, just thinking that if we really were honest about our heart's desire, thinking about just the future, we want to reach every person God wants to bring to us. I mean, we want to reach yeah. every tribe, every nation, every language. Uh, we used to think we were just a ministry in the South or just to the United States. And, and we do that. We tend to do that better because we understand how to reach people, Americans, but yeah. God's saying, Hey, I've got a bigger vision because he keeps inviting us to France and to Africa and Costa Rica and South America. And it's all way beyond us. <laughs> well, this is a good, this is a good uh, point though, though to make, because you have to understand that, the guy that God used was not an international. Okay. I did. I was not fluent in different languages. In fact, I wasn't fluent in English. I'm told. And so, but the, the point being is that uh, in every turn of the road, when I felt that I was inept, that I didn't have the ability to be where I am and doing what I do, God re- began to open my eyes to the number of people that were getting it in different regions of the country and the different uh, cultures around the world. They were getting it. They were understanding. And, and I, I knew early on, this was not my, my deal. This was God. I was just simply tapped into him. I was abiding in him and he was having his way, but he's also shown me a model. And that, that is that he could use an ordinary man who is the most unlikely guy that could ever be. They can use, can use that guy. That means he's the model of what can be done with anybody. And we're seeing that. We're seeing ordinary men and women that are being raised up and are doing extraordinary things. And I believe it's the future. I believe it's the future to, to expand the, the kingdom of God to, to the lost but also to disciple the body of Christ to be the laborers that will go there and do that. Mm. That's what I think we do is that we're, we're used by the Lord to raise up laborers and the laborers go into the harvest field and the harvest fields getting ready to come big time. Well, and, and, and we, you know, as we try to make disciples of all nations, we talk about how, uh, you know, you've raised up a disciple if they go make disciples, you know, and so, uh, and that's when that's a fruit that we look for. And that's a beautiful thing when we see Costa Ricans now making disciples of fellow Costa Ricans and uh, same in Africa, yeah. even inmates, 
you know, in the traditional prison ministry, you always had an outside leader coming in and evangelizing and teaching and all that and just spoon feeding these guys. Now, because of the journey process, we have inmates leading other inmates into yeah. intimacy with Christ. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just a beautiful thing how it's transferable. Um, and I, I wanted to say this because I think sometimes people misunderstand our excitement over using zoom and, and technology and how we, we just feel like God put that in front of us, even before the pandemic, given us a vision of something of, cause we didn't know how to reach all these people that would come to us in new cities and wanting to go through the journey. And we didn't have an influencer chapter near them or branch near them. And we said, well, we'll, we'll train you and you could lead your own group. And a lot of people aren't ready for that. So now we have ability to plug them into online journey groups, but make no mistake. I, I, Rocky, I'd like to get your opinion on this, but I think our hope is that these people will go through the journey and understand the process, learn how to uh, self feed, abide, and then they'll take the process to their community. They'll, they'll go reproduce it where they live and, you know, a branch or a, you know, a little army of believers will develop right where they live. It's not intended to stay online. It's intended to be expressed locally, don't you think? Oh, yes, Brian. And, you know, if this keeps going the way it's going, we might find our churches uh, unable to meet. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just, it's just it's happened before in other countries, and I know it's like inconceivable with us, but I mean, it was inconceivable this time last year to be where we are, as far as I'm concerned. And now we're seeing our churches that are closed down, shut down, people are leaving. Uh, but I think at the same time that there are uh, micro churches that are being birthed all around. They're called home churches. And I think a home church has the ability to have great community, but they've got to have direction. Otherwise, it just becomes another social event. And that's why discipleship is, is critically important. And I think we'll be playing a big part of that with the journey groups that can be formed uh, with uh small groups that are that are established off of these virtual groups that uh, that's seeding the effort around the country. And I agree with that. Brian, I want to uh, um, address the thing about unity a little bit more, if I may. Sure. Um, I feel like that uh, there's a history lesson that we need to look at as far as our country is concerned. And that is that uh, prior to World War II, when we were brought into it, we had gone through the depression, you know, there were people without jobs. I mean, they didn't have welfare benefits back then. And then, I mean, it was bad, bad, bad. Just came out of it. But there was a lot of noise. So you're talking about it was as bad then as ever. People were fighting against each other about ideologies and all that. And then something changed. And that's when Pearl Harbor was bombed. And then our country that has been notorious about fighting against each other became very joined together mm-hmm. in a mass effort. And it became the greatest war enterprise that's ever been put together in a short period of time because we had a common enemy. Now that's history. Now, I'm not talking about the history of this country now because we have a common enemy. It's ourselves. It's the ideologies that have already gotten in here and it's creating havoc. I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned about the body of Christ, the church. Because, you see, we've got to understand that we have a common enemy. 
And we have a common enemy that wants to, to seek to harm us. And as in all war efforts, we have got to unify. We have got to unify together in uh, prayer, uh, in service, in discipleship, in nurturing the souls of, of the body of Christ, of helping them know how to weather uh, the storms that we're going to be facing, because we're going to face them, we're going to have them. And I believe that we have got to, as the body of Christ, we need to be more strategic now in understanding that we have a common enemy and he is aggressively coming at us. And we can, we can stand against them, but we need to stand together to do that. Mm. So you think influencers might have been raised up for such a time as this, as they say, to help with this issue, to help with this through our journey groups, they were influencers, communities. Yeah, I think I think I think the last twenty years have been our growing up years, and now is the time that we're going to be uh, taking these things that we've learned. Our and this is where influence comes in. By the way, mm-hmm. we influence our world around us, and our our mission is to influence the churches, the body of Christ, to come to our Savior, come to Him, come to Him. Find that intimacy with him. Let him let him strengthen us. Let him empower our spiritual gifts. Let his spirit empower us. Because there is a great opportunity that's unfolding. A great age for the church. And I and and as far as I'm concerned, we are people like are on the wall with a with a trumpet calling out, come together. Unify. We've got to. Mm. Well, and and I, I want to go back to something you said. We, we were talking about. You were saying it could come a day where we can't meet in public churches as much, and we've already seen an example of that last year. Um, and I've even heard people say that um, that was the devil's tactic uh, to try to keep the church spread out and not meeting, and and then all hell broke loose with. Uh, rioting and all sorts of crazy stuff. And and the church was disunified during that time because they couldn't meet. Um, and so at the same time, I see churches being f- feeling like they need to be churches of small groups. So they're, they need to start meeting in homes and all that. Most churches go for that and all that. But then what I also see is in those home groups, they don't know what to do and they don't have qualified leaders to, to lead in, in a lot of cases. Yeah. And so they're really just become friendship groups or horizontal. They're not really going yeah. deeper in Christ. This is where I think influencers has an opportunity because we can help show people how to abide in Christ yeah. in those, in those settings, in those groups. And so even though they're dispersed, they're not weak. They're not weakened. They can be strengthened yeah. through going through the journey. What do you think about that? Well, as you know, i say this all the time. It's got to be a virtual orientation if we're going to get people in a close proximity to Christ. Now, whether it's a journey or any other uh, effort that uses a process to move them to that place where they're learning to self-feed, where they're learning to abide, uh, where the, it triggers the fruit of the Spirit in their life. If there's anything out there that does it, then it's, got, it's from God. Now, we know the journey is that way. It, we know. 
I mean, it's it's been raised, it's been formed for that, and and we've seen the result of it. And the other thing is, brother, you know our hearts. We will release this to any ministry out there. Mm-hmm. We we will we will give away everything we know about this abiding in Christ and moving people in close proximity with Him. If any churches say, "Help us do this," we will help them. We've got we've got people that help churches. We want to help them make disciples. We want to help them uh, l- learn how to 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 bring people into that unity. Um, and into that place where life change occurs, uh, and it's a it's a it's an all hands on deck now. That's why the that's why the dis- denominational distinctions, the racial distinctions, all the other distinctions that have kept us apart, they got to go. Now we've got to we've got to be unified, and when we do that, then then we can begin to. Well, maybe we could have a church that. The, the church, the body of Christ in this country that is sincerely abiding in Christ. And we've already seen what it does for 20, 30, 40,000 people. Can you imagine what it does for millions of people in this country if they learn to abide in Christ? Can you mm-hmm. imagine, only mm-hmm. imagine mm-hmm. what can happen all around us mm-hmm. if believers simply learn to abide in Christ? I don't think I don't I don't think we could describe what what could happen. It'd be good. Well, and and I think Rocky, one of my prayers is that of all the tens of thousands of men and women out there who've gone through the journey, who who got a taste of abiding, and 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 some of them really got it. I pray God would just ignite them and and motivate them to go out and, like you said, be bold and be aggressive about trying to share this with the people around them. Yeah. If they're if they're just sitting on the sidelines for whatever reason or gotten too busy, uh, I pray God will just show them the greater cause of, of what's ahead and how needed they are in this movement that God started. Yeah. I think it's interesting in Galatians when it's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. The last thing it says is there's no law against this. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, there's no societal law that would say, we don't want the fruit of the Spirit to be showing in your lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Really? What society would not want that? Even corrupt societies. That's right. Yeah, that is so true. I think everybody wants to be loved, right? Everybody, you know, even the most evil person has a desire to be loved. I mean, it's crazy. So all we're doing is guiding them to the one who loves them and who can show them how to love. Um, And I think the other thing is, uh, and we've talked about so much about the DNA that we've discovered in our, in our 20 years of the things we want to guard fiercely and hold true to. And so I, I think moving ahead, we're very committed to that, to being watchmen on the wall, guarding, not trying to change, not trying to make it more complicated than it needs to be, keeping it simple to the, the basic truths of what God's shown us and, and keep doing what he's told us to do. I think people get off track because they get bored or they get distracted or, or the devil gets them diverted. Um, and we are very committed to staying focused on, on what we know to be true. Mm-hmm. One thing, Brian, that's happening to me, and I think it's a good thing, and that is I'm looking less at people and more about what's behind people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think it'd be real easy to focus on 
politically people that we hate <laughs> or disagree with are, you know, our culprits. Um, some of the worst of the worst people that we can ever had in our life. Be real easy to fasten our thoughts on that person. Uh, but I think we're coming to a time that we have to look at the power behind that person that's making them that way. Mm -hmm. Because it's the evil man that creates these things. It's the evil man has pawns in his hands and he moves those pawns around just like a chessboard. He puts them in places of significance and places of influence and, and puts them in places to cause harm. It's been that way historically. And, and when he does that, uh, there's no way to fight against that except through spiritual weapons that God's given us. And I think that it goes back to this perspective thing I was talking about, about erroneous distinctions. You know, it's one thing to look at non-Christians out there and see the evil behind them. But it's another thing to look at the body of Christ and, and them not understand that evil drives them as well. Mm -hmm. Because whenever there's factions, whenever there's slander, whenever there, there's spiritual railing judgment against people because we, they don't, we don't agree with the way they worship or we don't like their songs or so many nonsense things. There's an evil behind that as well. And I think in the body of Christ, we've got to start to identify the accuser, his voice, and why he's leading us astray. Mm. That's where it starts right there. And it starts with unity. Yeah. Well, I think our time is about up, Rocky, but thank you for, for this. And it's it's been fun talking about our history and talk thinking about dreaming about what God has in the future. And and we know it's uh it's about personal abandonment, and absolute trust, one day at a time and and really letting God show us what what to do next. So yeah. uh so anyway, uh, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun a fun ride. So uh it, no one said it'd be easy though, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, you've been listening to the Influencers Network podcast, and uh, we are going to keep doing these to just try to share stories of transformation we're seeing and nuggets of treasure that maybe God's showing us and, and just all the things that we're seeing from, from our position here. Um, I will tell you that we are working to get these podcasts on uh, iTunes and also Spotify. So you might have uh, easier access to for whatever you use to listen to podcasts. So we're working on that currently. So be looking for information about that. Make sure you're plugged into our daily email list, which we call Abide. Uh, you can sign up at our website, influencers.org. We send out a daily uh, email that's got a scriptural encouragement and Rocky writes some blogs. And of course, we announce these podcasts and other exciting things going on with the ministry. So you don't want to miss out on that. So get on our mailing list. So anyway, uh, I'm Brian Craig, Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries. This has been the Influencers Network Podcast, and I'm encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. God bless you.